Welcome to the podcast of Revival Fires. This week's message by Ryan Baker Barnes is called Revival of Worship. We are excited about the upcoming School of Awakening with guest speakers Ben Fitzgerald, Trevor Baker, Jean-Luc Trackshell and Dylan Long. Join us in Dudley from the 29th of August until the 2nd of September. Visit our website for registration details, www.revivalfires.org.uk. So um, I've got half an hour to share to, with you guys this morning about one of my favorite subjects, and that is worship. We've been talking about revival. We're on this theme of revival. And um, I want to talk to you about the revival of worship. But as I'm doing that, Richard and Barry, would you mind just bringing the blackboard and sticking it right here behind me? That would be amazing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some drawing for you guys as well. Is that all right? How many of you have noticed what's happening with the building across the street? Amen. Isn't that incredible? Have you read what it says on the sign? What, what does it say on the sign? Investing in a better future, regenerating Dudley. Hallelujah. Thanks, guys. That's amazing. Um, I, am, I am absolutely convinced um, that God is doing something here that I'm, I just want to kind of give a bit of a language and an understanding about what God is doing more than just telling us something we have to do. But at the same time, I believe it's going to encourage us to continue doing what we're doing. I am convinced that, that a couple of things are linked in the spirit. Have you also noticed how worship has taken up another level? It's, it's not just the worship team, guys. It's what God is doing in your hearts. It was God is doing in us as a church when we come together to worship Him. And I absolutely love it. But I'm convinced that what is happening in the worship is also linked with the fruit that we are seeing in the town. I am convinced that what is happening in the worship is linked with the fruit that we are seeing in the town. I remember uh, as, a, as a young boy, I finally got to meet one of my childhood heroes, and that was a guy called Martin Smith. Now, he's actually come and led worship right here on the stage. Isn't it incredible? He was the lead singer of a Christian band called Delirious, did incredible work. And uh, when I first met him, it was at a worship leaders gathering in London. And I remember one of these young punters in the crowd during a question and answer session asked him, Martin, what's the point of you as a Christian going into secular music venues as you did in Delirious and worshiping God. Like, what was the point of that? Like, was it just because you wanted to become famous? You know, he was, he was digging a little bit. Martin said, you know what? I believe that because we worshiped on that night and because we worshiped on many nights in many different secular places, the atmosphere changed. And someone maybe down the road who was considering taking his life and suicide stopped. I believe that someone who was down the road maybe considering leaving his wife and divorce stopped because we worshiped. And I thought, wow, that's a really good perspective. I really like that. But of course, not, not the cynic in me, but the, the desire in my heart to want to make sure that everything that we do is rooted and grounded in the Bible said, where is that in the Bible? Anyone else like me there? And you know what? I've, I've been on a journey over the years of looking for that. And I found it time and time again. And I want to say what God is doing in worship in our church is having an effect in the atmosphere and in this town. That is the very power of worship. In Romans, I'm not going to read you the whole scripture, but if you want to make notes, I'm going to teach a little bit. Romans 1. Go away and read Romans 1. Paul details how when a people lose the worship of God, they fall into social decline. When a people lose the worship of God and instead focus their worship upon idols, they, they go into moral decline. Worship is the key thing. 
uh, it's, you see it all over the, the Old Testament in the book of Kings especially. God calls David out. You know, why was David one of the most powerful kings in the Old Testament? Why was David one of the people who God used in the most amazing ways? I believe that it's because he was a worshiper. The, the, the kingdom of, of he, the Hebrews, of Israel in the Bible, was never under such um, blessing as it was under David and, and, and under Solomon. And that is because of the worshipping hearts that they had. But in Kings, you read that when, when the nation of Israel left behind uh, the temple, left behind Jesus, started worshipping altars, what happened? The kingdom got smaller and smaller and smaller until finally they were put into exile. Worship is so key. Now, there was once a, an archbishop of Canterbury, so the head of the, the British church, the English church, during World War II. His name was William Temple. Anyone heard of William Temple? Yeah, yeah. And, and when I was doing a bit of research about this, he has this quote, which I think is incredible. It says this, William said, This world can be saved from political chaos and collapse by one thing, and that is worship. That's quite a statement, isn't it? I did a bit of research about that statement because it's one of the things that Worship Central love to talk about. And it's a really good statement, right? But I don't just want it to be a statement in a, on a piece of paper. I want it to have fruit. I want it to be a reality. Now, this w- was what William Temple said in a radio interview on the BBC, National Radio, in front of the whole uh, UK audience, a secular country, during World War II. Okay, so imagine the backdrop of confusion, of chaos, of wondering what was going on. I mean, perhaps some people feel that we're in a similar backdrop at the moment in your own life when you look at the news, when you see what's going on. And he said, as the Archbishop of Canterbury, this world can be saved from political chaos and collapse by one thing and one thing alone, and that is worship. And the interviewer said in in true BBC4 style, that's preposterous. What do you mean by that? And William Temple goes on to give this, exp- this um, definition of worship. He says, well, I'll tell you what I mean about worship. Worship is the submission of all our nature to God, the quickening of conscience to His holiness, the nourishment of our mind with His truth, the purifying of imagination with His beauty, the opening of the heart to His love, and the surrender of the will to His purpose. At which the interviewer said, well, if that's worship, we all need some. That's what happened on the radio. And I want to talk a little bit about revival of worship. God has been reviving worship in your hearts. He's been reviving worship in our church. And as a result, we're beginning to see the fruits of revival in our city. And I want this to grow. I want this to continue to happen. We just say, more Lord Jesus. More Lord Jesus. Don't we say that? God, would you continue to do it, Lord? Revive our hearts. What I love about this, uh, this quote, uh, and I want to make this really, really clear because we're all good Christians here and we have an idea that worship is when the band gets up and starts strumming along and we all sing a song. Yes, that is worship. We get an idea that worship was happens is what happens before the guy gets a mic and starts preaching. We have an idea that worship is what has to happen in a small group. You know, Worship is so much more beyond that. And I want you to be included in what we're going to look at today, and that is heavenly worship. So um, another really f- uh, famous worship leader, a guy I love, anyone heard of Kevin Prush? Yeah. Kevin Prush said this. He said that the textbook for worship in the Old Testament is the book of Psalms. But do you know what the textbook for worship is in our, in our day, in the New Testament? And I said, no, man, I don't know what it is. Tell me. 
He said, it is the book of Revelation. I thought I probably need to go and read the book of Revelation again. <laughs> the book of Revelation is a textbook of worship for our time and season. How is that possible? Well, let me show you. In the book of Revelation, uh, I'm gonna, we're going to base this morning around chapters 4 and chapters 5. I know I'm talking fast. I want, I want to get through this. Everyone, everyone with me so far? Yes, great. I love it. The book of Revelation is our textbook for worship. In the book of Revelation, there are 12 songs that are sung. 12 is a really important number, isn't it? 12 is, is a perfect number. 12 is the number of God. It's the number of authority. It's the number of governance. And we can see that 12 songs bring about governance. But in the chapters 4 and 5, there are five songs. And I want to look at the five songs of Revelation and, and just explain a little bit, talk a little bit about why this is a textbook of worship. And also, I think, begin to see and to that we really, really start to understand what worship is, why it's so important. You know, I really believe this. Worship is not just an activity that we do on a Sunday before the preacher. Worship is one of our main disciplines as Christians. Worship is the very thing that we were created to do. And if we feel that we can't do it unless you have Ryan in your room with an acoustic guitar... Then it's not going to happen. Well, let me kick that one right out the park because that's not what worship is. Remember that definition. The surrender of our will. The quickening of our conscience. The nourishment of our mind to his truth. The purifying of our imagination. I love it. It, it goes on. Uh, and I'll say it again probably later on today. But here, let, let's, let's begin to dig in a little bit. Okay. So Revelations chapter 4. Uh, from around verse 4, between verse 4 and verse 5. This is the title of this passage today. The throne and the worship of the creator. The first point I want to make. Not only is worship the very thing that we are called to do. The most important Christian discipline that we are called to do. Worship is the major activity in heaven. Worship is the major thing that's going on in heaven all the time. In, in this chapter, it goes on and it describes the throne. It describes the flashes of lightning. Trevor talked about that on Thursday. He talked about that on Sunday. You can go back and watch on RevivalFies.tv. Yes, that is a plug. It's all there. You, know, you can go and watch it about what do the colors represent? What does the, the rainbow represent? What is God on the throne? And then it talks about four living creatures full of eyes in front, behind, eyes all over. And these creatures have also wings and they're flying around the throne of God. And here's what they're doing day and night, ever, never ceasing, ever singing. They cry out, holy, holy, holy. Their main role in heaven is to worship the creator. This scene is not just a one-off. This scene that John saw, Isaiah sees in Isaiah chapter 6. Daniel sees in the book of Daniel. Ezekiel sees in the book of Ezekiel. It is the picture of the throne that is confirmed throughout the entire Bible. And what is the main activity of the atmosphere of heaven? And that is worship. So the first song that they sing, I'm, I'm going to just put some numbers here. One, uh, we said there's going to be five songs we're going to look at this morning. We should have time. Uh, one, two, th one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, I was, I was laying, laying out my board there. Thanks. Yes, I forgot the number two. Okay, the first song is sung by the living creatures, four living creatures. So I'm going to draw an eye because they had eyes everywhere, didn't they? 
how's my eye? Is that okay? Fantastic, you know. And, and there's four, not four eyes, because they had thousands of eyes, a multitude of eyes. The four living creatures. And what is their song? They sing, holy, holy, holy. What, as we continue to read then, what happens? They sing, holy, holy, Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And as the heavenly creatures sing holy, it triggers something incredible. Also in this picture that John sees in heaven, and this is important because it's not just an analogy, it's a reality, but it also represents something for us. As soon as these creatures sing their worship to God, the passage tells us that the 24 elders cast down their crowns and also start to worship the Lord. Who are the 24 elders? Well, many people say that they represent the 12 patriarchs of, of Israel. So the old, the kingdom of God on the earth, you know, the, the Jewish nation. And they also represent the 12 apostles, which is the foundation of the church. So we have in here a unity. This basically, the 24 elders represent us. They represent the church in heaven. They represent humanity in heaven. What's more is they're wearing uh, white robes. They're wearing a crown. The couple of chapters before that are the very, those white robes and the crown are the very thing that, the, uh, that he who overcomes is given to wear, which again is talking about us as humanity. So when we see the 24 elders, we see our role in worship, okay? So as the living creatures are crying out holy, and they're crying out holy all the time, it triggers worship from the 24 elders. Now I'm going to just do a crown, because they have a crown. I'm not very good at doing a robe. But the 24 elders. And their song is slightly different. What is their song? Their, this is the second song. It's in verse 11 of chapter 4. It's, Worthy are you, Lord, and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of you they existed and they were created. The living, the, the elders, us, our song is different. We sing worthy. I'm going to put that there. First thing to note, worship is triggered, as I've said, not by the song that the worship team sings. Worship is triggered by seeing the King of Kings. When we want to worship in our daily lives, all we have to do is to say, Lord, I want to see you in heaven. Lord, I want to see you in the throne. You know, to do this, this is why I think it's basic Christianity. We have to realize a couple of things. We were created to live in the realm of heaven. At creation, God made everything. And it's incredible, but he did something very different when he made you and me. When he made Adam and Eve, when he made humanity. He formed us out of dust, and then he breathed life into us. We were created both a physical existence and a spiritual existence. We have got a birthright to the heavenly places. Paul in the, in the gospel says, you are seated with Christ on high. Jesus came into the temple and tore the veil so that we could have the same access into the very presence of heaven. So worship starts when we see what is our heritage, what is our, our rightful position when we see Jesus. And when we see Jesus, it calls forth a song in us. And our song is a song worthy. Anna, Anna came up to me and said during the worship, she had a word, um, songs of salvation. Was that, was that right? She wasn't sure if it was for us because as a worship team, we're starting to write songs and we're writing really great songs, aren't we, Catherine? Yeah, we are. I'm really excited about it. Um, something interesting here. 
the song we sing as humanity in heaven is different to the songs the angels sing. Let me tell you, so often we can think, if worship is going on in heaven all the time, what point does my song have to add to that choir? If worship is going on all the time, what value do I actually have to bring worship to the Lord? You know, the Bible says that if we don't worship Him, the rocks will cry out. Why the rocks? What's the point of that? Is it just because that's the next thickest thing that maybe the, we could think of, you know, or the next, the most impossible thing? I'll tell you why. Worship in heaven is incomplete without our songs of redemption. The angels sing holy because that's all they've experienced. But the angels have never experienced the redemptive power of Jesus in their lives. The angels have never had the joy of looking down and seeing a sinner, someone like us, who was lost, come to the cross, experience the redemptive power of Jesus, and as a result of that, rise in a redemptive song of worship. Our song of worthy has to be in heaven. Without it, heaven's worship is incomplete. So why the rocks? Why does God say the rocks will cry out? Because even earth is waiting for redemption. It says that the whole of creation is waiting and groaning for the sons of God to be revealed. Why, if we don't sing, the rocks will cry out because they have got a redemption song waiting to be sung, which heaven will have because heaven has to have the fullness of worship in it. Isn't that incredible? So our songs, guys, our songs are as important in heaven as the songs of the angels. Isn't that incredible? Our songs right now on earth are as important to the atmosphere of heaven because what they do is they actually bring heaven down to earth. What we actually do when worship starts with seeing God, we see what's going on in heaven. And as we worship, as, as Jesus put it, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The actual translation for that is your, your will be done as it is in heaven on earth. The Bible will put it other ways because it's a bit more eloquent or poetic. But really the pattern is heaven earth. You see that? So that's, that's the second song that's triggered by the first song. Then what happens? Um, I'm going to go on to the third song. And this is incredible. The third song happens in uh, verse 8 of chapter 5. When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. So now what happens? Our songs become mingled. Our songs become joined. We have the living creatures singing. And we have the 24 elders singing. And what is their song? They now sing together worthy again, don't they? Our songs are united in heaven. Uh, then what happens if we go on down to verse 12 then I looked this is verse 11 to verse 12 then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was a myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands what happens now we have angels this is a wing can you see that there's my angel Okay, I'll give them legs. Does that help me? It's my angels singing with the, with the 24 elders and, and the living creatures. It would be terrifying if I was to draw the actual living creatures. That's why I'm drawing an eye. Okay. Can you see how worship starts with seeing God and it begins to grow? It begins to become, here's a word, inclusive. When you are moving in a revival of worship, the world cannot help but in, be inclusive. You know, it's no coincidence that God has given us such a wonderful diversity here. We said yesterday, we have so many different ages and we have so many different accents. 
That's because worship is inclusive. So, and what, what's the song that they sing? Uh, to him, oh no, I'm not quite there yet. Worthy is the lamb again, verse 12. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor. They continue now to sing worthy. Interesting thing. Whose song was worthy first? Ours. We have got a privilege of putting words to the praise of God that heavens echo. Have you ever thought about that? And then finally, the fifth song. I'm going to get into a little bit in between all of this in a minute. But let's just get to the fifth song. And here is incredible. Verse 13 says, And then every created thing which is in heaven and on earth, under the earth and on the sea, all things I heard them say. So who's worshipping now? That's England. There's Europe. There's Africa. There's Australia. There's America. The entire world... The entire world is singing a song. And what are they singing? To him who sits on the throne. Let me show you what happens with worship. This is what happens when we worship. We see God in his glory. And if we worship him, if we don't give up, if we don't stop short, our worship establishes the throne of God. Where? In the entire world. As we worship, we establish the very throne and the reign of God. Us worshiping on a Sunday is not just because it's the cool thing that churches do on a Sunday. It's because we need to see our creator. And as we worship him, his throne comes and Dudley is changed. As we worship him, his throne comes and buildings that are left derelict across the street receive the glory of God. As we worship him, sickness that needs to come into alignment with the kingdom of God It comes into alignment and changes. Isn't it incredible? You know, this is, as I say, the main role of saints. Now, can you see how worship grows? Okay, worship establishes the throne of God on on earth. Worship triggers more worship. Worship begins with recognizing the worthiness of Jesus. Now, I want to talk a little bit about what happens in between these songs. Because this is incredible. This is what we come to understand the power of our worship. The first thing that happens... When we see the worthiness of God, the worship that goes on in heaven, and here's the thing, God initiates worship. Sometimes we think, oh, I'm I'm just going to worship the Lord because I'm a really good Christian, you know, and uh, and God loves our worship, and he does, but I'm just going to start worshiping you, Lord. You know what? God initiates worship. Matt Redman has this great saying. He says, worship is the, the response of our love to the overtures of the love of the Father. Worship has been initiated in heaven. Do you know what? Worship is going on in heaven all the time because it's a continual invitation for us to enter into a place of worship. Worship has been initiated in heaven. But what happens first off is that this worship causes us to bring around a surrender. Just as the elders bowed and laid their crowns down, there was a surrender. Something interesting as well. I... I know I've been called to be a leader. Did you know every one of you is called to be a leader? You wouldn't give up two hours on a Sunday morning and come to church and to be inputted by Christ if you weren't going to go out and be a leader in your spheres. Every one of us is a leader. So often we can think that being a leader is about position and it's about authority and it is about all of those things. But the poor 24 elders, every time they just about got themselves back on their throne, they're on their face again before the Lord in worship. 
every time they just about get back up on their throne, someone else starts singing and they can't help but worship and cast a crown down. They can't help but fall face down. You know what? If we're going to be leaders leading in society, our position in worship is one of surrender. So often we want to be leaders and think, I'm going to climb that ladder. But Jesus says, no. Face down. That's the place of leadership. That's the place of influence. That's the place of real authority in the world. That's what happens. Okay, incredible thing that happens. Now, as we bring about our worship, I really want to talk a little bit about this. Here's what happens. We sing worthy. We sing the song worthy. And then heaven responds with the same question that we sing. Who is worthy? Who is worthy to take the seals? Who is worthy to break, to break the, the scrolls? Let me tell you what worship does. Worship unlocks the judgments of God. Every time you worship over a situation in your life, Every time you sing to the situation, you sing Jesus in the situation, you are unlocking the decrees of heaven over your life. Every time we worship in Dudley, we are unlocking the decrees of God in, in, into Dudley. Isn't that incredible? I'm going to put there, worship, is, it's a key. It unlocks. If you have situations in your life that you need unlocked, we do, what we don't just need is more counseling. What we don't just need is to complain or to, or to be angry. What we need is in the midst of the problem is to worship God. Here, here's what worship does. Yes, you can give God a hand for that. I want to big up Dudley. I've moved my family to Dudley and I love it. Dudley is a beautiful town. Dudley is a town that's going to change. Dudley is a town that is full of the friendliest people you will ever meet. Dudley is a town that has got absolutely no prejudice in hearts. What you see is what you get, and what you're going to get is more of Jesus. It's as simple as that. I love Dudley. Thank you, Jesus, for Dudley. But what happens is our song worthy triggers a, a conversation in heaven. Who is worthy? And they say there is one person worthy. And this is what worship does. Worship always enthrones Jesus. Worship always puts Jesus at the center. Who is the one who is worthy? It is the lamb who was slain. Not only does it always enthrone Jesus, it always puts the cross right at the center. And that's what we do. I don't know what you're facing in your life. I know that there are things that you need unlocked in your life. I have friends who have been texting on the phone and they have situations that they need unlocked in their lives. This country has situations that they need the decrees, the decisions, the seals of heaven unlocked over it. We are not going to just find it by lobbying and complaining or even preaching great messages. We're going to find it when we are on our knees and worshiping God in the midst of that situation. And that is what's going to bring a revival when we have a revival of worship. So, Lord, would you continue to do it in our hearts? We love it, Lord Jesus. And worship will always put Jesus and the cross at the center. Here is something absolutely incredible. As church as the as the illustration the the picture of us in church worship god do you know what happens the king stands up off his throne the king stands up off his throne i'm going to put the word stand how incredible that we can cause the lord 
to stand up off his throne. And he's not standing up in judgment against us. The same picture of God standing in his throne we see in the book of Daniel. And let me tell you, this is incredible. In the book of Daniel, he sees a very similar thing. And he says that that the nations are in uproar, that kingdoms are warring against kingdoms, that there is problems and there is chaos. Until the Ancient of Days stands and issues a judgment in favor of the saints. Do you know what happens when you worship? You have the judgments of God issued in your favor. When we worship over a situation, we don't just get to battle with demons or battle with depression or battle with things on this level. We go straight up to heaven and the King of Kings stands and says, well done, my saint. Well done. That is the attitude of heart. That is the posture I've created for you to find. Now, are you ready? Here are my judgments in your favor. You know, why is the cross always so central? And I'll tell you why. Because the cross is the judgment of God against every chain. The cross is the judgment of God against every pain. The cross is the judgment of God against every disease, against every sin, against every act of poverty. That is what the cross is. It's the judgment of God against that. But at the same time, the cross is the love and the acceptance of Jesus. It is the inclusion. It is the called into relationship. It is the invited beyond the veil. That's what the cross is. We can think the cross is a scary thing. Well, it is a scary thing if you work for the devil. If you have got any work of the devil in your life, I'm not talking about you being wrong, but any the devil, Jesus said he came to save you from the works of the devil. That is what the judgment of the cross has come for. And that you would be included. And that is what we have when we worship. From this we worship and all of that happens. And what does that then happen? It calls forth another song of worship where all of heaven joins with us. And say, isn't God worthy? You sung, is he worthy in your situation, in your trial? And look what's happened. He came as the worthy one. And now we will join with you and give glory to God. Isn't that incredible? I love it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So we need to sing to our situation. What happens between these two? If, if they were to stop worshipping here, if they were to say that's enough worship for now, and I'm not just talking about going for 50 minutes as we did this morning in, 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 in a time together as church. I'm talking about the attitude of our hearts. Remember that William Temple, the submission of our will, the purification of our imagination, the um, quickening of our conscience to his holiness, the opening of our heart to his love. And the nourishing of our mind with his truth. I love that one. We all need his truth, don't we? If we were to stop there, you know, great. We would have the judgments of God, but there's still more. And did you know this is only the first five songs in the book of Revelation? There's 12. (laughs) Can you imagine how far this goes? I'll tell you what else is incredible. Just a little bit of information. The very first song in the Bible, do you know what it is? The first song in the Bible is the song of Moses. It's sung by Moses in Exodus 15. It's a song of redemption. Remember, our song is a song of redemption. Do you know what the last song in the Bible is? The last song in Revelation 12? The angels sing the song of Moses. Here again, we see heaven singing our songs. For you worship team, don't stop writing songs. Heaven's singing them. We never know when we get to heaven whose songs they're going to be singing. Our songs, your songs, your song of confidence in God's provision in the midst of your trial. That's what song they're going to be singing. That's what we need to be singing. So don't give up. Don't stop. Because what happens here? Well, our worship then activates all of heaven's help. 
all of the angels. Anna talked about that a couple of weeks ago. You know, looking out for the angels, calling for the angels, God's messengers, God's helpers. And if all I need to say about this is if you are in God's will, and I find it very hard to think that you will not be in God's will if you're not looking at him and seeing what he wants to do, then the angels will come and help you. You can't command an angel to help you if you're not doing God's will. But if you're doing God's will and you ask for angelic help, they'll come. That's their job. That's the very thing they're there for. So right here, what happens is it activates the angels. So I'm going to put the activation. Worship is the biggest activation in your life. We're a prophetic church. We love activation, don't we? We know we say, God's turning things around and half of you will jump up and start running around the church. You know, Step into your future. I'm there. You know? <laughs> we love activation. Worship is an activation in your life. It activates faith. It activates trust in the Lord Jesus. Never stop worshiping. But here's an incredible thing. I love this one. If you don't stop worshiping, it's in verse 10, chapter 5, verse 10. And here's what happens in, in this, because of that worship. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests on the earth, and they will reign on the earth. Our worship equips us to reign on the earth. I put the word reign there. I could really just draw a big crown over here, right? Our worship is the very thing that equips us to reign on earth. If we want to be a people who move in more authority in our everyday lives, you know what we need to do? We need to be people who spend more time on our knees in, in the Father. God, would you continue to revive worship in our lives? And then the final thing, as I've said, worship brings the very place that we started. It brings the throne of God. It releases angelic assignments. Mm. You know, this is one thing that the Lord is challenging me is, I, I love God's presence, don't you? Yes. And, and as a church, we say we want to be presence-centered. We want the very presence of God to be the thing that we base our lives upon. But He's challenging me to remember that every time I feel His presence, I mustn't forget that that means His power is also pre- present. We love God's presence, but we stop there and worship sometimes. We're praying about a situation, and we pray, and we feel His beautiful presence. We feel His peace. We feel His embrace, and we know that He's there, and we say thank you. But then we forget to recognize, if the King of Kings is here, present right now, so is His power. Lord, what is the power that you need to release on earth through me? That is a time when we say, now, come with your right hand, your strong arm, strong to save us. I want to worship you for redemption. Isn't that amazing? Anytime his presence is there, don't forget his power is there. Um, just about done. I, I want to I just remind you as well of worship. You know, never stop worshiping in your situation. There's a beautiful story in the New Testament about a guy called Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, and his traveling companion called Silas. They were thrown into prison on many occasions. On this one occasion, they were thrown into prison. And with chains on their, their feet, with chains on their hand, at midnight, in the darkest hour, in, in a cold, wet, dingy cell, they prayed and worshipped the Lord, singing hymns. For the, everyone in, in, the, in the prison actually heard, and they were singing hymns. And I asked, Lord, Why? Why do we worship in the midst of our chains? And he said, because the only thing that's more relevant than the chains you're feeling is the presence of Jesus. 
the only thing more relevant than the pain that you might be going through, than, than the mountain that might be standing before you, is the presence of Jesus. We can look at it in the physical and think that it's real. But when we look up in the spiritual and we see all that is at hand and all that is available to us, that, and that becomes more relevant than what we're facing. What does David say in Psalm 121? Lift your eyes up to the mountains. Where does your help come from? When you're in that place and that becomes more relevant than what's going on around you, that's when things change. We see it time and time again. I mean, I talk about David. He's one of my favorite characters in the Bible, except for you, Jesus. David, when his son died, he, he was fasting all day while his son was sick and everyone was crying out. When his son died, he put on his clothes, he put oil on his face, he ate food, and he went into the temple of the Lord and he worshipped. And the whole nation said to him, what's wrong with you? Now your son is dead. Now's when you should be mourning. And he said, no, now's the time I need to be worshipping God. The only thing more relevant than pain is the presence of Jesus. And that's what worship does. So... Lord, continue to revive us in worship. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what we want? That is what we want, Father God. Lord, not just uh, the songs that we sing, not just the sounds or the, the instruments, Lord, but that very response of our heart, Lord, like David, a heart that is after you, Lord, in every situation. Why don't we stand up? I want to pray for you. But, you know, I really, in just thinking about how we we're going to close this morning, um, I really felt that there were people here today who you are facing situations that you need unlocked. You are facing situations that you need the King of Kings to stand and to, and to release decrees in your favor. Is there anyone like that? You know, just put your hands up. Yeah, okay, that's fantastic. You know what, guys? We're family. Can we do something really different today? Yeah? If you put your hand up, come and stand around, around the front here. I'm not asking the worship team to come up. But as a church, all I want us to do is gather around them and let's just sing out in tongues. I want our worship. You know, we, we can rely too much sometimes on the songs that we sing. And we can miss that step that the Lord wants to take us into. So that's it. Come, come on forward. That's great. That's great. Sounds of heaven. <laughs> okay, church, if you feel comfortable, come on forward. You know, these are our family. These are our friends. I want you to make a wall around them. Just stand around them. Father God, Father God, here's what we're going to, we're going to sing out in tongues, we're going to worship the Lord, it's going to open heaven, and there's three things I want us to simply declare out together, when I say so, we're going to say sickness, you are judged, we're going to say chains, you are broken, and we're going to say doors, be open, in Jesus name, so just sing out in tongues right now over these people, see, and if you're part of the church come and stand in the front as well we are the family of God we are representing right now the scene in heaven worthy worthy Jesus Rashanda Bosandikia, Kia Basana. Yeah, activating heaven right now. Angels on assignment, come down. Angels with the authority of heaven. Angels with the keys of heaven. Angels that have come to bring a shift on earth.
We welcome you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. Sarukara Sandakabukara Sakarabasa. Lord, we resolve to be a people who continue to worship, Lord Jesus. Who continue to worship through the fire, Lord. Through the trial. Up the mountain, Lord Jesus. In the valley, Lord Jesus. Now with one voice, church, let's say this. We say sickness judged. You ready? Sickness judged. Chains broken. Chains broken. And doors open. Doors open. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Give him a hand. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Vasa Pada, Vasa Pada.